All right, guys. Well, we're back with another episode. Um, I'm back. I, I missed last time. I was I had to cancel uh, due to some work stuff. But um, I'm Gabe Wells. I'm here with uh, Ryan Taylor. Hey, Stu. I'm sorry about starting late. I apologize. And we're also here with Stu from Spirit World. Say hi, Stu. What's up? Hey, no worries, man. Happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we've got... Uh, this is a... It's really great that everybody can make it today, especially you, Stu. Thanks for coming on today. They're going to be, uh, Spirit World is coming to Texas, and it's uh, just like um, a weekender kind of show thing, right? You're coming out to Texas, doing Houston, Austin, and Dallas, the 13th, 14th, and 15th, respectively, starting in Houston at Warehouse Live uh, with The Burden, with Ryan's band. Yeah, yeah, so on Friday, it's with The Burden and Substance. Um, right. Saturdays in Austin with Realms of Death, Barbarian, St. Peeler, mm -hmm. um, Worst and, Behavior. Yeah, there's a lot of bands on that one. And Sunday in Dallas with, uh, I, I don't know who the band is. I think Cleric is playing. And, uh, Realms, Realms of, of Death, Death is playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Josh, Josh's cool. band. And Josh has been on the show before, too, Stu. We had him on um, uh, a couple episodes ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, and we haven't we haven't mentioned the biggest band, right? That's playing all those shows. Who's that? Integrity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Integrity and Spirit World. So <clears throat> I know you guys did the song with Dwid. Have y'all played shows with Integrity yet? No, I mean we played our first show with Spirit World and doing the metal stuff in December. So we haven't played with very many people, you know. Yeah. But um. But you you say that and and like I try to keep up with your schedule and you guys are. You guys have been doing a lot. Like you did a Euro tour with Agnostic Front and Charger. Um, yeah, that European tour looked like a lot of fun. I was following it on the uh, Instagram, and uh, all the little the videos and stuff that Vinny Stigma did with you guys. It looked like you guys were having a blast, man. Yeah, that that was it. Doing all this touring again, being a little older and like set in my ways, it makes me remember what I hated about touring before. <laughs> you know, yeah. but then when you go out with somebody like Agnostic Front where they just open the doors to their bus and put basically a bunch of strangers on. And then they treat you like family. Everybody's cool. The whole crew. It's like the ideal of, you know, how touring can be when everybody's just like down to earth and a normal, good person. Yeah. So it was like, it far exceeded my expectations going into that. I was like Europe for a fucking month with like four <laughs> bands on a bus, like kill me now. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing awesome so i mean i'll be i'll be honest i i did see the the europe for a month and and there's a lot of like bragging and pride just knowing that i i know you and i've known you for so long that you guys are doing all this cool shit but then there's also a piece of like jesus christ i don't know how the fuck i'd be able to do a month in europe like we're, we're doing europe for the first time in may and it's it's two weeks to the point and i'm like i'm nervous about that you know yeah it, it's tough as you get older like balancing like the career with the touring like relationship wise like on the home front like i've been trying to fly jen out like she'll come with me to this texas run but like you got to be really intentional about making it work because 30 days and we they double booked us so we it was more than that we did um uh 200 stab wounds and uh creeping death was like just over three weeks and i literally had eight days off and then we went to europe so it was like almost two months just grinding like it's tough man well so so you guys just started playing in december right yeah you said uh december 2021 yeah, just, yep yeah but you guys i mean spirit world's been a, a concept and and something that's been going on a lot longer than that can you yeah, of... we played a couple shows with the uh, more cowpunk um, material. So we played with Power Trip in 2017. And then like a year later, we played with uh, uh, Citizen and Culture Abuse. And then uh, that we didn't play a show from 2018 until 2021. You know, oh, part okay. of that was me like writing material. So really like the like figuring out how to present the band live didn't start until December, you know, like really it's been a whirlwind of um, activity, you know, I'm just hanging on trying to like 
keep the keep the fucking train from going off the tracks, so to speak, you know? I, I, I hear you on that, but I feel like there's so much intention with Spirit World. Like, like I, you know, I, I listened to Death Western, which has been my favorite thing y'all have released so far. And it, and it feels like something that's coming from that part of the U.S. It feels like somehow you've been able to do a proper regional approach to like heavy metallic hardcore. And then there's other times that I listen to it and I feel like it's, it's a soundtrack to a movie. <laughs> and it's, it's, I'm it, still trying to wrap my head around it. And yeah, I think it, it just, it, like you said, with intent, it's like not everybody writes albums like that anymore. It's kind of coming around more now, but like to where you listen to the album from front to back and it makes sense. You know, it's, it's yeah. just a really good listen all the way through. Um, and really, I prefer listening to albums like that. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it's definitely appreciated, you know, just that like the intent behind it, the artwork, the way that... Um, the way that it goes together with your writing. Let's talk a little bit about godlessness. Um, it, it, it's, it, can people get that book? Where, where do they order that book? Yeah, we have it. Um, it's back in print now. So okay. um, when Death Western came out, Rare Bird Lit out of L.A., okay. um, they republished it. They did a nice hardback edition. So I have like I have copies here. Um, you go to our, our merch store, spiritworldprofit.com. Yeah. I have copies there. But like the... When I say I'm like trying to keep it from going off the rails, it's more so like I am intentional with all these things. And I sat down and was like, how do I make like the project I want to do that combines fiction writing, like thrash metal, hardcore, like all these different things that don't seem to go together. And then if I do it well and execute it and it takes off, like how do I make that work as a band? And I'm like, I want to lean into like heavy metal like I love big heavy metal tours. So like the big dream was like, I want to be a Monomarth. I want yeah. obviously not like, like it takes a long time to get there, but the idea of like, they're a Viking metal band and you go see them at a festival and they have a fucking giant Viking ship, Vikings fighting, like it's incredible. And like the first time I saw that, like it hasn't left my mind. So with this project, I'm like, what if I make a horror Western and one day I'm like, you know, playing whacking and I have, like I transport a 40,000 like member audience into like a Southwestern gunfight, like hell on earth. Like, yeah. I have yeah. them here. Yeah, so yeah. like all these things, like I'm very intentional on how I combine them to make them work. Yeah. And so where people listen to the record and they're like, the production is very clean and like pop and it doesn't sound like everything going on in the underground right now. Like there's a reason for that. Cause I, I don't want to be like, mired in the underground i want to like kick that roof off my head and like go straight past it ghost style you know so well, all I, these, what like, i heard with like oh. it's all like a plan and so i do think about these things and like i'm the reason i put them in the world but it's it's just a lot of fucking irons in the fire you know what i mean so to the point of what you're talking about like how how do you because i see you doing it i i witness it but if you could kind of explain how how are you still incorporating hardcore and the hardcore ethos into these big dramatic productions, you know? I I think that's the easy part, right? Because it's like, that's just who guys like us are. Like, whatever project you're going to do, you're always going to have that hardcore thread going through it, you know? Uh, yeah, you spend I, your whole life. Yeah, I feel you, you on that. I, I think it's kind of like you just live your life and the hardcore is kind of, it's going to be there. The, the challenge yeah. is more like break coming up out of that. Right. And like getting the production value, getting like the, um, uh, like what I've heard recently is like the kind of big room riffs, you know what I'm talking about? Steve? The, the album's yeah, got yeah, a lot I of big that. room riffs. <laughs> yeah. My buddy sent me that from ax to grind. And yeah. it's funny. Cause like, <laughs> I love, I loved indecision. Like oh, yeah. Thomas in that band and like the first yeah. demo of most precious blood. And, oh, hell yeah. Like, yeah. Their first LP, like I really like, like release secures really good. Yeah. But I do like it entertains me when somebody is like on one hand being cool about your record, <laughs> but then to their friends they have to like preface it by like just listen to the record. Don't look at any of the weird artsy gonzo shit that they do. Just <laughs> listen to the record in a vacuum and you'll like it. Which That's right the shit there, I love, like, though. Yeah, that encapsulates everything that makes me cringe about hardcore where it's like 
look, if you just listen to it, you'll like it, but don't think too much. And God forbid you push the boundaries or like really be weird and be yourself because then we're just going to call you a fucking dipshit and we're well, going to hate on you. Well, right. And then, and then these 10 kids that like that shit, they might not like you anymore, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing, like, is being an adult. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like I try to make the record I want and be the band I want. And I know. I'm a weirdo. So that right there means that most people are going to look at the whole picture and be like, this dude's fucking crazy. It's not for everyone. But sure, sure. I know I work harder on this than anybody else works on their band. So right. it's like whoever's on that podcast and whoever's like hating on it, like my challenge is go sit in your room and your basement and build something that's better. Like oh, that's, no, right, the spirit. Right. that's the like, that's the fire, you know, like the, the creative thing, like anybody can do what I'm doing. I did it all like out of my bedroom with a Telecaster. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm not yeah. a great guitar player, or a great writer or any of these things, but I am like very passionate. And I think that comes through in a lot of ways, you know? You know, that reminds me a lot of like a Pink Floyd interview I, I heard. And, uh, you know, just uh, just for a little perspective, when Dark Side of the Moon came out, of course there was naysayers, you know, like... Oh, well, like what they're doing isn't really that great. What they're doing, I mean, it's not really this. They're just using recording studios. They're using these recording techniques. They're layering stuff. And the guy's response was like, yeah, if it's so easy, why didn't you do it? Where's your dark side of the moon? You know, and very, very similar. You know, it's like it really shows that a lot of work has gone into this album. There's progression. You can see it coming up through Pagan Rhythms into this album. And I'm excited for what's going on next. Have, have you guys thought about that? Or what, what, uh, yeah, what do you I'm, see I'm in the, the future? Yeah, I'm writing the third record right now. I was going to break off and go back to like the cowpunk stuff. Uh -huh. But it's tough with because we have a three record deal with Century, Century Media. Media. And so talking to them, like I really don't want to do basically what it comes down to is I like doing LPs. The idea of like I'm sitting on a ton of songs for like my more alt country punk rock stuff. Mm. And so I don't want to do like an EP, have that come out and then push back the third LP. And then I won't have this full length of like this other record I'm doing won't come out to like 2025, 2026. So I right. like timing wise, I think I'm going to do a metal record and um, try and get it out summer of 2024 yeah. to fill my record deal. And then get back to, I really like the freedom to do whatever I want. And while I'm happy to have a team and like I am in the machine, so to speak, yeah. there's a lot of good that comes from that. But also there's a lot of people that you have to coordinate with. And yeah. I set this whole project up to just, I want to make art. I want to put it out as fast as I'm happy with it. And the more people you involve, whether it's band members, labels, like agents, all of that just slows down the production line if you ask yeah. me you know? yeah. yeah yeah i feel you on that i get what you're saying about just you know doing whatever you want to do um and, and kind of staying in that trajectory but like once again it 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 seems like there's this big grand story that you're telling and the order to it. It, it even going back to Folsom, which is a completely different beast i look at some of the lyrics and it's like there's a direct tie-in to, to what you're doing now in spirit world. Like I could start from like that first release to now. And I, I feel like it's telling me a story. Is, is yeah. I mean, I am who I am. Yeah. Like that. And part of that is things that I'm into. There's stuff that I was doing with Folsom, like that. I still am on that wavelength. Like that's the shit I like, you know? And somebody told me, I forget who it was, but they were talking about like the metal stuff and they were, kind of you know backhand compliment right but they were kind of intimating that somehow i just arrived at um like mining this like trend of thrash crossover stuff and like i didn't even justify that with the response because i'm like well i mean you could say that with spirit world but it's like i've been writing these same riffs ripping off marauder slayer and fucking integrity since like you were probably five years old. So it's like, I don't know what trend you're talking about. You know, like you go back to that old Folsom shit, like me and Nick spirit world. We, it's the same like canon of like groove metal that we've been trying to perfect the whole time, you know? Hey, but, and I'm going to keep on hitting this home because I'm not a musician. 
you know, I've I've half-assed played bass in bands before, but the whole reason I got into uh, singing for bands is because I love to write. So I check out like the lyrics to Oxycontin and Jupiter, and then I look at stuff that's on Death Western, and to me, there's a direct correlation. Like it, there's this there's this weird lineage that I could I could follow, you know. Yeah, you're not like looking too deep into it. I think a lot of those things are written from like character points of views, even the far out like Western stuff I'm doing where it's talking about like the end of the world, like those characters are all my friends, like parts of them are in there, you know? I don't know if that makes sense to other people, but like I don't shy away from taking things from the way I feel and emotions and like relationships I have. I inject that shit right into the art, like no compromise, always have, you know? Which is a beautiful thing, but I, I also feel like maybe sometimes you have to write it as fiction just so it's not hitting too, too close to home with what's happened. Like, you know, before the podcast started, we were talking about some mutual friends of ours that aren't doing so well. And, and I, I've certainly written multiple songs about them, but I, I, you know, I will not do a direct like, this is about so-and-so. I try to make it more of a story. Yeah, I do that more and more. I'm very uncomfortable with people like looking at my writing or songs or bands or whatever I'm doing. I don't like people like really trying to say that that's like me personally. So one thing I do kind of as, as a shield now is these concepts are so far out there. There's not going to be people coming up to me like as much saying that it's autobiographical. Where yeah. Folsom, there was a lot of that where there were things that I wrote in first person that had nothing to do with me, where maybe I was a fly on the wall at best, but the way I told those stories, it came across as like me sharing out of a diary. And then I don't like the complication of explaining stuff like that to people. So one way to, it's kind of a chicken shit way out of it. And with metal, <laughs> it's easy, but you can- One way like, to do that I'm is to act like you're a priest that just like, you know, yeah, like, rapes and kills women. People know you're not a priest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, there's <laughs> a, a guy like, like yeah, there's like a guy that's like sodomizing men and like a serial rapist. And it's like, maybe someone would think that's how I conduct <laughs> myself, but I'm going to guess not. You know, yeah. like, clearly I have a career and an old lady and fucking, I'm not train hopping and, you know, oh, yeah, <laughs> dominating yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I, I don't mean? live but, in a one bedroom shack in yeah. West Texas. Uh, but yeah. but also going back to what you said earlier about um, you know what some other people had said about just listening to it in a vacuum and not paying attention to the aesthetics is I, I, man I feel like with hardcore sure you could do that but just wait five years and that'll be the next hot thing like it's so incredibly cyclical and hardcore that whatever the the super super young kids are dogging or cringing on that's what they're gonna be hyped up on in three to five years. Yeah, that, that's the nature of the beast. You can't worry about what other people are doing. Because it's just, that the way I rationalize it is like, you got to do you. And if what you're doing is important to you and you're passionate, like it comes across. And like, people aren't going to look at the Spirit World Project, even the biggest hater, and say that like, I'm half-assing it or it's lame. And it, you know what I mean? Like, there'll be some level of respect just for the, the sheer amount of love put into it. Well, like, like you said, you can't cater to to the crowd because first of all once you do that it's disingenuine and it's like contrived and people can feel that right away anyways right so it's kind of like you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't you might as well do what you're passionate about and you know put your shit out there and just let the chips fall where they may yeah. and and that comes with the you know just the age like i still am pretty involved in hardcore and like you know one of the dudes that plays live with us books a ton of the shows here and so I'm involved in that sense where I still go out and support and see shows. But what I'm not involved in is giving a shit about what anyone thinks. And it's been many, yeah. many years, many moons since that has happened. You know, like you can't worry about that because the crowd, there'll be a crowd there at the shows. You know what I mean? Well, no. and it's still trying to crack this uh, equation of, why this band makes it and this band does it is like is absolutely pointless in my experience because yeah you know you could have a bit okay i'll use die young as as an example the older i get the more i appreciate what they did right one of my all-time favorite hardcore bands 
They toured like animals. They put out quality product. They went everywhere. And they were not they were not packing out the places, you know? They were they were maybe an it band for a very, very brief moment. But they stuck to what they were into and they just fucking kept going. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't know. I've I've been so involved in this for so long. Some of my favorite bands that I think should have been massive do nothing. And some of the bands that I connect with the very least. I mean, just like make a huge imprint and have a career, like go from being hardcore kids to like musicians. So I, 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 again, I just don't know. I think it's timing and luck. And that's why I'm, you have to be like aware of what you're doing because like I could go crowbar out my punk rock record right now because that's what I genuinely probably want to do the most personally. But I also realize the trajectory of this band, like, I'm also wanting to do a trilogy of this, this like metal meets Western occult shit, these concept albums. So in the grand scheme of things, you have to let the ego go and just say, if I finish this trilogy, I'm going to be looking summer 2024 with a bunch of touring and then be a free agent to go do whatever I want. So that's a pretty good spot to be in. Maybe I put my passion project, kick it back to the curb a little bit, you know, and those right, are decisions and, and- fuck up a lot you know what i mean like you gotta like somebody's got to make the right choice there's not one right choice i don't think but there's a lot of wrong choices you know so you kind of got to be smart and not shoot your stuff in the foot no and i got you on that i mean it's kind of like like with me not just with music it's like i'm getting to a point right now i'm 42 years old where like a lot of planning that i did is is actually going to come to fruition and i never thought it would it, it, like I like honestly, I was like, I'm gonna die. Something bad's gonna happen. I'm not gonna make it past forty. But you know, it's like oh, the house is gonna be paid. But, you know, my daughter's going to college. It's like stuff is stuff is moving along. Stuff that you planned for, that you made sacrifices for your whole life. You know, yeah. so it, it's um, you know, that big picture thinking is in. And I, I can't even imagine how hard it is to do that with music, right? To be like, well, I'm doing this thing right now. It doesn't matter how I feel at this moment. It's like I'm I'm bought in. I'm invested in this trilogy, well, you know, I, and, I and making that a... come in. And then at the backside of that, like having like just a lot of options, like you said, being a free agent yeah. with this accomplishment, you know, that um, yeah. yeah, it's it's um it's definitely some adulting going on there, Stu. Yeah, yeah. I imagine <laughs> going back to you know talking about your career and Jan. It just takes a shitload of looking at the eye calendar and, and, and planning all these things out. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like, cause my job, I'm lucky that when you talk about sacrifice, it's like the reason I can do this band is because I said, it's more important to keep like my relationship with Jen, get on solid footing when Folsom flamed out, I could have got scabs and like kept driving that into the dirt, hoping that I can make it pop. But I went the other route and I mean, maybe it's a blue collar working class thing. I was like, I want autonomy and I want to have a balance of life where if I got to go work a shit job, I'm going to figure out, get through that hard time, get a good job. And like, I'm in the same boat where like, we have a nice house. I have a great career and I'm balancing this crazy ass band that's blowing up with like big boy responsibilities, but it allows me the freedom where I don't have to have four guys in a band kicking in to pay for a van or do anything. I can do all of this with zero help. And because I can do that, I don't have to compromise. I only have to collaborate. And I can't stress enough how important that is when you're passionate about something, because when you're young, the passion overrides the planning and you end up in a position where you have people that are like manipulating you emotionally, financially, and maybe you can't do what you want to do for like these things stack up taller than you you can you just can't get through it it becomes a concrete wall where like you break up your band because you just can't handle the five guys in the van anymore mm. and building this project out i don't have any of those hurdles because i just handpicked exactly what i want this to look like and it may not have taken off pagan rhythms could have came out and just flopped and i wouldn't be making records that no one would listen to yeah but i was also thinking what if it doesn't flop what if it fucking 
what if it does exactly what it's doing right now? Then what do those next three steps look yeah. like? And if you're not doing that in your life, just, I don't, I'm a big believer and you got to put the energy and the work in yeah. and then you don't know if the result will come, but you better think about what happens if it does and what your next steps are going to be and yeah. be prepared because no one else will do it for you. You know, certainly. Well, you're right. And like you said, when you put yourself in that position to be manipulated, I mean, that's what's going to happen. You're like, someone, please come help me do this. Someone, please come yeah. here and fix it and make it so that my band can be popular and like do these things. I mean, first of all, it's probably not ever going to happen. Secondly, if it does, you're just in the worst compromised position. Yeah. Kudos to you, man. I'm so glad to see you guys doing you just doing it right, you know, and just hear someone like speak sense. <laughs> Like talk about like that, the right it, way to do stuff to to actualize your your dreams, you know. Yeah, and that's why I'm happy to talk to people. Um, like I don't care who it is. Like on these podcasts, a lot of the stuff it's they just ask about the record, and I mean I'm happy to talk about that too, surface level stuff. But I think so many bands and creatives, like you don't really hear people talk about the truth of how to actually make something that's sustainable. And the yeah. truth is, like it doesn't happen by accident. The bands that stick it out and you have four people that can make it 10, 20, 30 years, there is so much that goes into those relationships and like a level of equity and respect and splitting things evenly and letting go of ego. Mm. But you rarely hear people talk about it. It's almost like a, um, I don't I don't know. It's, it's weird. I would think there'd be tons of roadmaps of how to do things, but there's really not. Like I learned that the hard way. Every, well, and, every and lesson, you know, a, a lot of people you know, involved in music, I think are like romantics and like they're not like, if you've ever read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, right? The guy has this issue with like classical versus romantic thought, like the nuts and bolts of how things work. And then like the pie in the sky idea of how things work. And I think that just like a lot of people, especially in music, they don't want to see how the sausage is made. They don't want to talk about the like little minutiae that has to come together, the compromises, the, the interpersonal relationships, splitting workload. How, how do you pay for stuff? You know, like that, that kind of starts to damage the dream and makes it seem too much like work to a lot of people, yeah. you know? And I think that that's probably why people don't talk about it that much because it's a, it, it, it kind of brings their dream out of the sky and, and makes it like everything else. Right. You know, it makes it just like your job or your, uh, you know, your, your hobby or this activity that you have to do with people at work or, you know what I mean? It, yeah, it, it makes do. it much 100%. more like that. So I, I think that that's maybe one reason why people don't talk about it so much. I think they should. They should talk about it right. a little more, and then maybe we'd see, you know, you'd see better, better albums coming out, put out by younger people. You know, and and there's little steps to like the underground stuff too, where it's like I fronted all the money out of my pocket to record Pagan Rhythms, and it wasn't cheap. You know, like I when I listened to that album, there were production things where I was like, fuck, if I had more time. And I now that I've done a record and knocked the dust off, I want to go really big pop, like clean production. So I did that on Death Western, but Pagan Rhythms was expensive, you know? I bet you I spent like eight, nine grand to record that, which most bands, if you split that up with like five guys, it's not going to break your budget. So I did it myself. So I had to like save up and it was like a big investment. True. But then I pressed the records and I put it out and it's like, because I did that, I was in the position to shop it around and then have Century Media re-put it out. And then I knew if I put that out in November, followed by a new record a year later, the amount of momentum that I'm going to have, because I, I already had the material written. So I was like, there's no way this doesn't land. Like, I'm going to put myself in the best position. And right. those are things that were thought about long before I hit record on the first demo for pagan rhythms which right. yeah we'll just pause it well how do we get back what happened right after Folsom leading into I mean just what your personal life was like leading into writing songs for, for what then became spirit world and just kind of what what unfolded because like we know a lot of guys that will just stop doing music. I mean, there's a, you know, uh, get the band back together, do all kinds of things, but it's, it really felt like this brand new life started for you and Spirit World and it just kind of 
not came out of nowhere, but just blossomed into this big machine. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I can explain that. So the, um, the main thing was when Folsom was getting done, I was kind of the last, like the last one standing. Right. So like Matt moved to, um, New York cause his girl was going to law school. My twin brother was, uh, just had his first kid. Nick had had his daughter like a year before that or something. And so everybody just had different things going on. And so the, like Folsom was just scraping by like every hardcore band, you know? And we had just got to the point where we had, like we would have been able to do some cool shit, put it that way. But to do that, I would have had to like, you know, do the, like get a bunch of friends from other bands and it would have just been me. And with that band specifically, like, I don't know. It just, I'm not into that. Like I hate when my favorite band ends up with just one dude left because the records always suck. Like, I mean, not to like generalize everybody. There's some exceptions to the rule, but personally I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I love this band. I'm happy to just like, maybe one day we can do it. But creatively like writing hammer lane, like I started writing a lot of the songs for Folsom. And so I was like really kind of hitting my stride. And so I just sat by myself, like didn't have a band, but I'm still like riffing. And then I went for a time period where I didn't like play anything, but there was that part of me always that like, I just kept picking up a guitar solo writing all this shit. But when you don't have an outlet, at least for me, like I don't learn other people's songs. I don't have the patience to like, sit there and play covers or anything like that were, so i didn't were like, you always the songwriter for Folsom? yeah i didn't i couldn't play guitar until um so i would like kind of like every moron hardcore kid i'd be like bro play me a riff like this da, 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 <laughs> babe, da. and then you develop your language of like morons in a practice space right so i got frustrated with that and i'm like fuck man how hard is it to follow like da 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 so i picked up a guitar and then dang i started it, like, dang it dang it dang it yeah it's like yeah. no nah, man it's a get a dig dig that bam bam motherfucker <laughs> pay attention but so like i went from like that frustration to um like when we did our first full length that was when i started playing guitars so songs like Beezer's blues and shit that was stuff where i just wrote the whole thing and then starting from that point, like I just got better and better in my free time, but I never owned a guitar. So yeah. I always like to steal Nick's or <laughs> I'd have an acoustic. And so um, one of the big things was I was like probably three or four years after um, Folsom was done, like I was in a good spot, like had a good career and was like kind of settled and I went and bought a guitar. So like maybe that's kind of makes sense. Like if you want to like write songs, buy a fucking guitar, you piece of shit. But so like I bought this nice, I bought this nice guitar, and so then I wrote all this stuff on the demo with Matt when he moved here. Yeah. And so I just like when I did that, I think I just kind of realized how important it was to me to like have a creative thing, whatever it was gonna be. And so that was probably like 2015, and um from that point i just like really started thinking about like do i want to do a band kind of do i want to like have other people like involved in my life causing me drama no so maybe i do a solo project if i do a solo project like can i even do that can i write all the drums and like everything because that i never did that with Folsom. like i would write a riff but it would turn into something else you know it would start with an idea i had in a riff but then by the time it got to a record, it could be wildly different because it would have to go through all, like all the pieces of the band because we would play everything live. And so I had to teach myself, I'm like, if I'm going to do a solo project, I got to be able to write demos. How do I write a demo? And I just kept like learning all the little skills that you got to do to not have to fucking rely on anybody. And so once I got to the point where I could program drums and like write stuff, then I started playing metal. Like we put out our demo, played a couple shows, but once I could actually program fake drums by myself and I had a nice guitar to play that was like fast and felt good, then the funnest thing I always do is like, I love riffing, playing hard ass shit. So then I just kept like writing and I was like, I'm gonna start a metal band. Like I'm gonna take the best parts of hardcore and thrash, but like, I don't just wanna be a metal band. 
how can I take like, how can I have a band that at some point I can play like acoustic guitar driven Americana, like outlaw country stuff when I'm 60 years old. And so I started like, it seemed impossible to like combine all these genres. And then I kind of just settled on the, I'm going to do a big concept album like Terry Allen or some of these people that I really respect. And I'm just going to do combine all this shit, but because it'll have fiction writing, horror movie stuff, Western movie stuff, I can make it all work. And nobody had done anything like that that I've seen. And so because it was new, when I started telling people about it, when I had pagan rhythms, like the initial thing, everybody is like, I, I don't know, whatever, bro. You're fucking crazy. Riffs are cool, but yeah, yeah. Like all the other stuff, everybody thought was just kind of me talking out of my ass until like I have a book that's out. And then a real like book publisher is like picking it up to re-release it. And then we're getting on a metal label. So now that all these things are happening and like the press that comes in, people are like picking up on the, wow, this guy's doing this whole crazy world building. So I don't know. I would say it's like, it's probably been eight years of me manifesting this behind closed doors. And so in the public guy, it seems like it's a rocket ship. But to me, it's like, I don't know. These are things I've been trying to get to the point where people understand what I'm doing. And so for me, it's going to like really kickstart after this third record. Cause that's when I'm going to go back to the drawing board with my next plan. And when I go talk to people, it will no longer be crazy DIY guy. That's right. full of shit. It's, there'll be the credibility like the foundation for that of like well look this is what i've done like i don't have to tell you all about it you can just look at it and i've already done this yeah yeah and the biggest questions people had for me they're like well how like how are you going to get the word out about your project can you tour and I'm like, yeah, I know how to tour. I know how to tour in the worst possible conditions known to man <laughs> and survive. So when I'm telling people that originally, they're like, maybe they believed it a well, little bit. But well, got- well, but now it's not just like, oh, do you know how to tour? It's like, yeah, we've done Europe with Agnostic Front. We've toured with Obituary. Yeah. We've toured, you know, and, the, and those, are, those are names. Those are household names that everybody's going to understand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, I think the point it'll be at now is we'll have all those, all those things that people have question marks about. It's like, yes, we toured one of five, went to two of five. Now, like we're set up to be, we can do our own headliner. Like all those things will be answered and I'll be coming to the table with the big, like the big ideas that I have from a whole different, um, whole different place, you know? Right. Right. And, And well, and you know, also looking at it from the other perspective, someone else coming in like like an investor or someone who's so like a booking agent something like that another record label they can come in and it's not like oh i've got all these ideas and you can put in a ton of work and maybe something will happen it'll be more like no look you know this is you're not taking a huge risk you know i'm going to do this regardless i've already done these other things right you know yeah and that's the hard part is i got lucky like nick storch who books us He's a guy that just heard Pagan Rhythms and he just heard something in it that cut through oh. the noise because he his roster of bands, he can handpick anybody he wants. Like right. he doesn't he's at the point where that guy, if you're a tiny band and he just loves it, like he can pluck you out. That's how we got the obituary tour. Like right. one guy, one guy that has spent his whole life booking bands and has like an insane roster. He just loved Pagan Rhythms. So we had one phone conversation and he was like so how are you going to do it live? And I'm like, I'm going to go costume. And I got this whole theatrical thing. It's like, sounds crazy, but I'm into it. When, how much can you tour? And that was it. And then yeah. we just had to get out on the road and go like it. There comes a point when you got to like, go prove it. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing to talk a lot of shit, but then you, you got to go play the shows and you got to like, you got to kill it. People got to love your band. And that's the thing that I knew from having the experience of Folsom where like you're a good band, but you never get the opportunity to play in those rooms where you need those big room riffs, dog. Them big room riffs, <laughs> dude, you know? And yeah, that's... but like I knew like if you put me and Matt, like any of our crew of like people that lived through that, that never truly got a break, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. You let us play to rooms full of metalheads. We're going to blow that shit up every night. Mm. And so like, I did say that to people along the way, like that are on our team now. 
And so I had to have that confidence of like, look, you don't worry about that. You just get, you give me the opportunity and don't worry. No one's getting embarrassed. Like we're going to, we're going to smash. Well, and, and But I knew that, like, I knew that for a fact. Like, I know that like, that's something from going through all the like <laughs> trials and tribulations. Like I would have that on lock. That's the easy part. Yeah. You know? And it, what's, what's kind of cool about that. I was talking to Matt about it on the phone, like um, just about how, playing the bigger rooms like for for not just like a couple shows and not just like a couple weeks but like really getting into it and seeing your show and seeing how the reaction in the crowd and just tightening little bits up right uh, like tighten this little bit up or like just move this riff around a little bit or let's put this right here god damn and uh you know like Let's let's just get this together and tighten it up, and you just really see the reaction. Like you do, it, you get to do it night after night, and you start seeing it take hold and like just really sharpen up, like on on different spots. And I think that's really cool, and that's like a, a point that a lot of bands never get to. You know, a lot of hardcore yeah. bands never get to because you never see this sea of hundreds of people like start locking it in and like banging them horns. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, it's like that's a whole different challenge but one thing that um like prepared me for that is like i've never stopped going to shows like there's people that are in this hot and heavy for a few and then they bounce out and then they get into like whatever other stuff but like i've i've went and seen every big like band that's blowing up in hardcore and metal for like my whole life yeah so i've just watched all these bands that i've loved and seen where like some of them have a great record but they can't play the big shows like they just stand there facing the drums and yeah. even though i love the band it's just like ah like you got to have something else so even yeah. when i was writing this stuff especially death western like you can hear songs on there like when they say the big room riffs they're right because yeah. when i wrote that i was like i'm gonna blow this band up and i'm gonna be playing festivals and when i drop this riff right here this is gonna be the one where i have like ten thousand. no exactly photos. exactly and, you and can i hear like, them man yeah yeah and i'm like writing the demos and like that's what i'm telling like Nick and Matt and bees. I'm like, dude, I just got it. Get ready. And then I sent them the demo of it. And they're like, Oh boy, dude, that's it right there. That's that big boy riff. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah. But it, it's like everything I'm talking about. It's like the, it starts with the idea, but you have to be honest with yourself. And like, I write a lot of riffs and I like all of them. I'm like every guitar player, you know, it's like, I like playing guitar. So sometimes I play shit. I'm like, Ooh, that's sick. And then the right. next day, I'm like, ah, but is it? And that's when, like, I just learned to trust my gut and say, I'm trying to write stuff that's like, I want to blow, like, the Mastodons and the Amon Amarths. And, like, it sounds crazy to say, but, like, I'm not as good as a guitar player as most of those guys, but I know how to write a song. And I yeah. think I can write stuff that in the live setting, once there's, a like, a crowd coming to see us, like, I want to construct a set that, like, stands out where you put the four best bands i can think of on a bill and when people leave i want to be the band that they're like jesus christ that was nuts yeah yeah no dude i hear you man well and that's like you had talked about uh luck with with uh nick is his name right yeah my brother oh the booking agent, yeah, yeah, nick yeah, the booking yeah. agent. like yeah i i get the luck luck aspect but bro i i watched you like take the time humble yourself and, and send your stuff to everybody and then friends of friends and then oh i know somebody that plays in this band can you send them this i watched you do that i don't believe yeah. that there's an ounce of luck in that because i you know i i never stopped playing in bands either and so i i i think about like what it takes to get that one person to notice to help us get on a tour and it, it takes a certain amount of like shutting the hell up reaching out to these people and be like, Hey man, it'd be really cool if you checked out this, this, uh, demo I wrote this album, whatever. And, and sending like literally hundreds of those emails, hundreds of those texts. I watched you do that. Not many people yeah, do that, that. Well, that's the thing that I like the DIY hardcore thing. Like when you say, like, when you talk about that, it's like, that's all I know. Like I came from a scene that had 20 kids that would go to shows. So if I wanted your band to play in Las Vegas, we had to like hit you up because you would skip over. And if I wanted my band to get a show, I had to like fucking hustle. I've never been anybody's darling where like you get stuff easy. So when I say it's luck, 
it's hard work turns into luck. So like, I know exactly who I need to reach out to from being around this scene so long, but like, there's a level of hustle that you have to do that you're right. People don't do it. And I don't know if it's because they're not confident in their material or whatever it is, maybe the social thing. It's a, like, it's a lot confident. of that. I, I, man, I feel like it's a lot of, uh, we come to this scene and these subcultures because we're broken people, right? Yeah. We're, you know, uh, a more eloquent way to put it is outcasts, rejects, all this other shit. We're broken motherfuckers. So then yeah. we start these bands that are amazing, prolific bands. But then because we're coming from a DIY scene, we then now have to humble ourselves and be like, and it'd be really cool for you to check us out. Like, like I yeah, think about tough. Like, uh, one of my favorite frontmen, Gabe Wells, like thinking about him sitting down and sending out hundreds of emails to check out his band. Like, dude, he's a loose cannon. He's not going to do that. You know, you, don't, you know what I mean? Like, but, but I do. But at the same token, then a lot of people will miss out because he didn't have that that business savvy. Like, well, good morning, Mister So and So. I really They're uh, appreciate lost. you uh, checking us out. You know? Yeah, and well, that's part of it too. Like in my professional career, like I had to learn how to collaborate with people that I can't stand and pull off huge projects and be on deadlines with like people that just relentlessly full of shit don't do their part of the project stab you in the back play all these games and so on one hand as much as i hate that corporate dynamic like there's nothing i'm going to run into in the music business that is going to surprise me the only thing the only difference i see is what i do in my career is at such a higher level of organization and like just productivity that i have to dial it back with dealing with the higher end folks in the music industry so like on one hand i never fit into the hardcore scene like in a lot of ways like we were never anybody's like hyped band that like none of the yeah the, the same, gatekeeper man. type folks yeah are ever going to do anything for me so like i guess one because i knew that ahead of time and i don't give a shit like the sea is big enough for all the creatures is how i feel you know and 100%. I know I can go do my thing. And yeah. even though when you're involved in like hardcore punk rock or rockabilly, at some level when you're young, you feel like if the gatekeepers don't give you the stamp and you don't fit in, then it like your worth, your project, your thing that you love so much is somehow like retarded in a way. It's like it's got a stench to it. And I disagree with that. That's why like when I look at the as I've been involved in things, bands like Pride Kills and The Burden, I think are better than almost any other bands that have ever come out of Texas. Now, no one else knows that because, I mean, how how history works, but like in the moment, like I've seen bands like yours, bands like Retaliate, that are the best, literally the best bands that I've seen that should have taken over the world. And there's a hundred reasons why that doesn't happen, but like- But some I of the main reasons are is what we're talking about right now though. You know, and, and, and the weird yeah. gatekeeping and being young and buying and drinking the Kool-Aid of like, okay, well, if it wasn't mentioned or hyped up on Axe to Grind now or, or any of these yeah. uh, podcasts or this person didn't talk about it or these people aren't booking it then, it, it, then it's not shit. And man, that's not true at all. Yeah. And like, I'm a testament to that where there's going to be a sect of people that look at the success that I have and the things that I do artistically and they're not going to like it and they will never like it. They'll never give me the respect. But also, if I was interested in that, I wouldn't be doing the types of projects I'm doing. Like I dress my band up in nudie suits. You know what I mean? Like it takes a certain level of not giving a fuck to walk into band practice and be like, I need you to go to a tailor and I need all the measurements. Here's a list of 15 measurements. Go get them for me because I'm designing you a suit. And like, the dudes in my band, like some of them are into shit like that. Like me and Nick have went and seen like my brother, like we've went and seen like Chris Isaac and Dwight Yoakam and shit. Yeah. But like our drummer, like he probably had no idea what a nudie suit was. And like when we gave him, when I gave him his suit, it was a little small, like his measurements were off. And so I could tell he was having like a fucking meltdown. And so I had to like, right before we went to Europe, I'm like, for a uh, bloodstock in August, I'm like, yo, don't worry. Let me go hit up this costume lady that I know that works on shows on the strip that deals with like dancers that fluctuate in weight. And she'll be able to like 
customize it, put in that spandexy shit the dancers use so that you can fit your ass in your suit. Cause it's not, there is no option where we go play these shows where you're not in a suit. So okay. number one, just follow the process, but I'm going to help you get there. Like there's a solution. And so like things like that, if you care what people that want to hate on you anyways, think you're never even going to walk into the practice room with your big idea and try to execute it. Yeah. You know? So you have yeah. to, I really believe you got to like on some level, you have to put up or shut up. And part of that is whatever your good idea is, it may totally bomb, but if you do it in a way where you don't care, even if it kind of bombs, like there's a respect I think that you'll have for yourself that you only get when you truly put yourself out there. And that like, that doesn't come from art. I've seen people do that in their personal life where it's like sexual orientation, like religious views, like addiction, things where it's a really raw, open wound in a lot of ways. And you see people put that out there and there's a strength that you see it just light up in their eyes. And I think when you learn that, it's a powerful tool to bring in any aspect of your life, you know? Uh, I, absolutely. You, you said a lot there. And when it hit home, that Spirit World played without their makeup last January in Houston. We did. And I, that was just a one-off. I'm not saying it has to be rhinestones, but like that was the, uh, you know? No, it's to me, it's like I got to witness that, you know? Yeah, and that's a, that's the thing, right? It's like, as much as I like the theatrical side of it, it's like, if you hit me up for certain things, like doing a benefit show for our boy Give Up, it's like, yeah. whatever. Rhinestones be damned. P.A. be damned. P.A. be damned, boy. P.A. be damned. You know Love what I'm saying. It. No, I know exactly what you're saying. Um, uh, what else is going on? So, um, what, what are you guys doing? Uh, coming up after the Texas run? What, what's coming up for Spirit World? I think maybe next week or the week after a big tour that we're opening gets announced. Um, when are you guys putting this out? It's going to be out this week before the show, before the Texas okay, run. Okay, so, so yeah, it'll. I think they announced this tour we're doing. It's going to be May to um, June, but it's like a four, four or five week full U.S. big metal tour that's going to be insane couple awesome. of my favorite bands like so i've been sitting on that and then um that'll get announced and then we go right from that to a festival run where like hellfest in france and um i think we have four or five festivals that are really big that put us on already and then we're okay. gonna fill in some dates there like fill in dates and, between uh, the fest did, did yeah. you play hellfest in france last year no no we played um we did some festivals but not that one the fucking lineups for Hellfest is it, Dude, I, that's it, like every band I, it, like and half the bands I ne I don't remember of it's every, every band I've ever heard you know it was like the yeah, Deftones the only, fucking corn the only like, thing that sucks like playing those shows is we played one where Behemoth headlined last year uh -huh. and they have these weird driving laws and this like I almost spazz like I try to keep my composure nowadays but like we had this issue where our driver is like oh I can't drive. I have to take a break for a certain amount of time. Yeah. But then this motherfucker, like we load into the gig at like 10 AM or something. Right. So he has to have 11 hours of break time. So I'm like, go park the van and take your fucking break time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then this guy connived and like purposefully went and moved the van. So like the timer with his work fucked it up. So we had to leave two songs into behemoth. And so I was just like, oh, fuck. you motherfucker. <laughs> Like I've been dying to see Behemoth for like I haven't seen him in like three years, you know what I mean? Multiple tour cycles, and literally watched like two songs and like did the walk over to the van, just like about to kill this fucking guy. But that's things that like I don't know that I'm learning right. about this bigger, bigger machine where it's like yeah. every tour I've done, it's like everybody's on the same page. Like yeah. I couldn't imagine that trying to tour the way all of us have when you have rules like oh homeboy. I need to sit for 11 hours, <laughs> whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. craziness. It's man. just a different world, right? Yeah. But yeah, we have, uh, we got another tour in August and then I'm not sure the fall I'd like to fit another one in, but um, still trying to find the right fix, but basically get out and um, take the death Western show on the road, man. I just want like a 25 foot banner of the death Western art and then just go smash metal shows, you know? 
Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. yeah, and that art is so sick. Like, yeah. uh, like just an album cover art. Like, like yeah. you said, just huge would be awesome, man. Yeah, it's, dude. It's shout so out, good. like most most people don't know this, but all the artwork for this, it was all done by me and friends in town. Like, I didn't do the heavy metal thing where you just hit up a famous guy hit the, hit the, yeah 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 hit up the famous guy and say what have you painted this year let me license one that has yeah, nothing yeah. to do with my band but um we'll throw our logo on it yeah. so like i was lucky that a friend of mine that lives in town i got to like give him sketches go eat tacos and be like i want to make like a 1960s western poster but from my world like here's the characters i want on it and so it like everything in it like one of the uh girls it's pretty involved in the hardcore scene piper did the layout for me another gal down here cat like did a couple like if you have the lp where it has that photo of all those crosses yeah, yeah. that look kind of ominous like that's a couple hours north of las vegas at a cemetery that's just creepy as fuck so she just took that picture i just licensed it from her but like all of that it's like i could do the art a hundred different ways but like one of the cool things is for my band like I always put on for Las Vegas. I always have. So like it is chock full of like all Vegas artists, which no one cares about that but me. But when people talk about my band going back, one thing I want the legacy to be is like we do things like in a what I think is a cool way, the right way to do it, you know? Sure, sure. Like at home, like sourced around with your with your own yeah. people in your own scene. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And not to hate on like LA or New York's art scenes or wherever, Italy, but like we have some pretty talented people in the desert. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, hell yeah. I'm here to rep our shit. Always have. Well, yeah, that's and, awesome. And, and that's what I've always appreciated about you. And and I kind of mentioned this early on, but Death Western sounds like you're. It, it sounds like a, a a prime like regional representation of what's happening out there. Like you like without even getting into the lyrics or the story or anything like that, you could hear it from the intro on. Yeah. yeah and that that's another thing that's cool about this band it's like all that's intentional and when people find out that it's me and like where we're from and like how i grew up with a bunch of like like that cowboy shit's just in my family and like once people understand that they're like this makes total sense it sounds right. weird but like yeah you're right like this is like no brainer yeah but man thank you so much for taking the time i know uh know you're busy and have a lot of stuff going on and gabe and i are looking forward to seeing you this weekend yeah it's it's gonna be a blast uh really looking forward to it uh you know couldn't ask for better lineups to tell you the truth yeah. like hey, i'm so stoked to see the bands i did have a question you guys on that houston show are we using your heads do you know are we like is there a back line can we use gear yes I, I i have the email with all that stuff um but i believe going to be using uh our heads okay i didn't i didn't see any of those emails so i know that we have stuff for uh the other two shows so as long as there's something good to go well there is i'll just say this there is something good to go uh and you'll get taken care of um yeah i mean and then, the, uh, the, I think... the, the burden sounds uh, sounds too loud like we're we're using a lot of gear so uh there's plenty yeah of i was gonna say if you have your pick on gear you definitely want to play through caleb butler's bass rig oh my god it is yeah. the toughest thing i've ever seen it's like this monster is it gonna knock my molars out of my head it sure yeah, is yeah. does it make you want to go to the bathroom <laughs> you're gonna have to yeah, I'm, run i'm excited to see old caleb i'm excited to see everybody man yeah man we're excited yeah, to see yeah. you man this is gonna be just just great seeing integrity again you know i've seen integrity a couple times but it's always far between like i think the last time i saw him was at fun 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 fest well but i think the last time integrity played houston was barry james right? yeah yeah and i wasn't here for that i was uh offshore i was yeah. working yeah yeah so yeah. so yeah, yeah this yeah, is man, gonna I'm, be great yeah, Go i'll call you we get into town at like 10 i'm gonna rent a van and then our guitar players are a little later and i mm -hmm. think load in is at like two but yeah. whatever i'll hit you guys up when we get there and fucking kick it tough man i'm stoked let's yeah, do the, it man the barbershop's right down the street from the venue so we'll we'll link up oh hell yeah i think i'm gonna try and get it to cut before i go out there too much oh, yeah. to do cool. as you but should man you. with that with that nudie <laughs> suit dude it would only be right i know oh, yeah. i think i think uh i'll look at the routing if that other tour comes through i don't know where we're going in texas but i think there were texas dates i'll i'll connect with you guys and we can hang out whatever figure it out 
Okay. Yeah, let's do it, man. Well, uh, thanks again for taking time out of your Sunday, Stu. Um, Spirit World, Death Western. Hammer Lane Crew. Fuck you. Yeah. It's our privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Love you guys. Love you, man.